listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It is a hymn sing with Sarah Day. Mm-hmm. These are getting to be more challenging because I've already knocked off the like large categories of hymns, and now you need I'm getting a to the in your life, Sarah. This is true. It's it's the more obscure sections when I post a hymn poll. I'm waiting for this. <laughs> Admit it, you love these even more. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, when I post a hymn poll in the Facebook group, everyone's like, "I have no idea what these are." Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I also realized doing this one, I I think I need to go back and redo the Lent one and actually talk about somewhere. I think I only what? covered like no, no fair. You can't do that until. At least five years have gone by. I've yeah. got I, that's audit I'll rules. get through it's like everything yeah. and then I've got to go back and do Lent. I'm pretty sure I only talked about like, like three years. hymns. The Lent mm. section is gigantic. Oh. There's no way you talked about only three Oh, I hymns. did. It no was it was like way. my first, I think it was the first hymn sing podcast. And I was it like it was mm, there was very, very little information. Was it in that deeper podcast. than it was broad? Yes. So I'm gonna have to go back because higher than the heavens above. <laughs> Things have changed. Anyway, anyway, today, since Ash Wednesday is next week for when this podcast drops, it drops the Friday before Ash Wednesday. So we are getting prepared for Lent right now. No way it's Ash Wednesday already. Yep. Yep. Oh my. So full of punch keys right now. Yep. So we we are approaching Fat Tuesday, punch key day. Oh. Ash Wednesday. Yes. Whatever. I don't know how time works. Also, I'm tired. <laughs> so I figured it was a good time to focus on the confession and absolution hymns since one of these hymns is the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday. Might as well look at all of them. And mm. there is some interesting overlap between some of these and and just generic Lent hymn, generic, <laughs> the rest of Lent hymnity. Also some like Lord's Supper ones. So these hymns tend to kind of cross in and out of different sections depending on what hymnal you're looking at, which is fine. And that causes some confusion with what actually is considered a confession and absolution hymn. And these categories are sort of like arbitrarily assigned by hymnal editors in many cases. So it's not like this this hymn was written for the confession and absolution section of the hymnal. Yes. No, it was written and then somebody decided, oh, it'll go well here. One of these was specifically written for confession and absolution. So there is one that probably will not be in any other section anywhere because it was actually written for that purpose. But I'll get there. Um, These are also word of advice, wisdom. Can I even say that? I don't know. These are great hymns. If you're somebody who like wants to have a resource for preparing yourself for communion and don't really know where to look, this section is great. Very cool. For just reading through them devotionally as Mm -hmm. preparation for the Lord's Supper. So if you want a new resource or are like, I want to do this, but I have no idea what to do. Look through this section of hymns. It's only, there's only like 11 of them. So it's pretty short and the texts are just, all of the texts are fantastic. Mm. I don't even know if I have a favorite. They're all good. So before I get into the hymns, if you haven't gotten your hymnal companion from the oh Concordia Publishing House. This well, is- are you even listening to these podcasts? <laughs> Go get this book. There's also, I just saw on social media very, very recently that volume two of Eternal Anthems, which is the yes. shorter compact version of the hymnal companion. It only covers a small chunk of them, but volume two is out now. So if you need it's something slightly more for, the, <laughs> for the beginning hymn nerd, yes, there are two volumes of these, and they're they're much more accessible and affordable yes. than the big boy, the hymnal companion. Yeah, the hymnal companion is beastly. It is 
it barely in a good way. (laughs) It's wonderful, but it is very heavy. It's two volumes. It's amazing. So go spend your money at CPH. They'll love you for it. As usual, I did post a poll in the Facebook group. Lutheran Ladies Lounge Facebook group. If you're there, maybe you saw it, maybe you ignored it because of other drama happening. That's fine too. But a lot of people were like, nah, I don't know about these. I also let people add a bunch more and there were a lot more additions. A lot of those are Lent hymns, which again, crossover. So it's fine. Mm -hmm. I will talk about one of them because one of them was a a very good addition that I always forget. The hymn during Imposition of Ashes is not a Confession and Absolution hymn. It's a Lent hymn. So you Mm. you do get a bonus at the end of this. So the clear favorite in this poll is Chief of Sinners Though I Be, which is Lutheran Service Book 611. Yeah, It's a great one. Everyone knows this one. In a distant second place, Jesus Sinners Doth Receive... LSB 609. I remember seeing that a lot during communion when I was a kid. Lord Jesus, think on me. 610 is a very distant third. And then all of the rest of them have not a lot of votes. One of them has zero votes. So (laughs) that doesn't happen that often. So we've got, I lay my sins on Jesus, number 606. From depths of woe, I cry to thee, 607. I am surprised that one wasn't higher up, actually, because that is the hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday. And it's it's a Luther hymn. Like it's, I feel like that one should be more common than it is. But it's a very difficult melody. That's the reason. It's challenging, but (laughs) you can learn it. But you always beautiful. It's hard. (laughs) On a midweek service, there's no chance to become familiar with it. Cantors add this hymn more Mm. frequently so people can learn it. (laughs) Lord to you. It's dark and it's hard, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. (laughs) True. Lord to you, I make confession number six oh eight. When in the hour of deepest need, 615, I'm the, I'm going in poll order. Sorry, these oh. are totally out of numerical order. Baptismal waters cover me, 616, which is a Canadian author, which is super fun. I love that. As Canada. rebels, Lord, who foolishly have wandered, 612. As surely as I live, God said, 614. And to the omniscient Lord of all, 613, which got zero votes. So mm. <laughs> we all need to go sing that one. And then the other favorites, that people added, O sacred head now wounded, just as I am without one plea, which does actually make sense for confession, drawn to the cross, which thou hast blessed, when I behold Jesus Christ, love that hymn, alas, and did my Savior bleed, Savior went in dust to thee, (laughs) that's the one we're coming back to, when I survey the wondrous cross, Jesus grant the balm and healing, and come to Calvary's holy mountain. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, so these, I mean, those all make sense, they're just not labeled in LSB, and I keep this strict so I don't go on forever. These are all in other sections of the hymnal, so we won't cover them today except Savior When in Dust Today because that is the one that is suggested in the LSB agenda for imposition of ashes. So if you do that at your church, there's a high likelihood that you might sing this one while you're getting the the ash cross on your forehead. So we will come back to that at the very end. All but two of these are public domain texts also, texts and tunes, actually. So you can go to hymnary.org, which is probably my favorite website of all time. Uh, All the web traffic is from Cynical, (laughs) Seth. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) If your IP by memory. When I I type into my search bar, L-U, all of the suggestions are Lutheran service book number at (laughs) hymnary.org. It's a good site. It is a good site. Well done. 
All of these except two are public domain text and tunes. So you can actually go to hymnary.org and look at these if you don't have a hymnal at your house. And I highly suggest you do that. These are all the celebration of the, the repentance and confession, absolution, justification, law and gospel, all like all good Lutheran doctrine just jam packed into a bunch mm. of these hymns. Since there's only, I think, 11 of them, if I counted right, let's do a little little story for all of them. Yes. Shall we? Well, okay. If you insist, let's do that. Insist. <laughs> All right. Now I will go in numerical order because jumping around is very confusing. 606, I lay my sins on Jesus. Only had about 74 votes in the poll. Not super well known. This hymn was written by Dr. Horatius Bonar, who lived 1808 to 1889. And you might remember his name because he showed up in the post-Enlightenment communion hymns episode. I do remember him, actually. <laughs> yes. You so, don't forget a guy whose first name is Horatius. 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 Yeah. Mm. So he showed up in that hymn because he wrote, Here, oh my Lord, I see thee face to face. Love that hymn. So if you want to know his yeah. full story, go listen to that podcast. And I think we'll actually link this that podcast in the show notes because there are a couple other people who also showed up in that podcast mm. for their full stories. This was one of the first, maybe the actual first of nearly 600 hymns that Horatius Bonar wrote. He was assistant to the minister in Leith, Light, Leith, Scotland, and he wanted to write verses for Sunday school children to be able to recite and sing at home. It was a very humble goal for him, but these became some of the most well-known children's verses for children to sing at home. His lyrics were this balm to his own soul too, because five of his own children died very early oh, in life, dang. which was not in his other story. That only shows up in the explanation to this hymn. So... Mm. He also had a lot of tragedy in his life, and this was this was comforting to himself, too. This hymn was first published in 1843 in Songs for Wilderness, and a later title for the hymn called This Substitute shows that this hymn is all about Christ's vicarious atonement and full satisfaction of the law for us. And it seems like Horatius Bonar was a little surprised that people latched onto this hymn so quickly because it points to Jesus very clearly, but the poetry, he he says himself, the poetry is a little, a little forced and the rhyme is, uh, is a little forced, but it does a, a really slant good rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does a very good job of pointing people, especially little kids to Jesus. Very simple text. I, I had never noticed it before, but yes, God and load do not rhyme. What if you say it in a <laughs> Scottish accent? Do oh. they rhyme then? What about him and Redeem? I still don't think that works. <laughs> okay. I, I tried. tried Although Jesus it. and freeze us is a very nice breeze nice of phrase. Freeze us. us. Yes. Jesus, freeze us. I like that. Yeah. You can read that text at hymnary.org. And this, the tune for this one. <laughs> Jesus and diseases. What? <laughs> Sorry. The, the tune for this one is a Felix Mendelssohn tune, which is pretty cool. Love Mendelssohn. Yeah, he's a great musician. The next one is, I think, the one that should have been first, and I was a little surprised it wasn't. From Depths of Woe I Cry to the LSB 607, this hymn was in the middle of the pack on the Facebook poll with 53 votes, but I definitely would commend this to you for study. It's beautiful. It's public domain. It's Martin Luther. It's all the good stuff. So it's five stanzas, but I'm going to read this to you only because I'm also going to read you Psalm 130 so you can hear both of them back to back. From depths of woe I cry to thee in trial and tribulation. Bend down thy gracious ear to me, Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? 
Thy love and grace alone avail to blot out my transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dread oppression. Before thee none can boasting stand, but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy. Therefore, my hope is in the Lord. I love the stanza. And not in mine own merit. It rests upon his faithful word to them of contrite spirit that he is merciful and just. This is my comfort and my trust. His help I wait with patience. And though it tarry through the night until the morning waken, my heart shall never doubt his might nor count itself forsaken. O Israel, trust in God your Lord, born of the spirit and the word. Now wait for his appearing. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. His hand of mercy never will abandon us nor waver. Our shepherd, good and true, is he who will at last his Israel free from all their sin and sorrow. It's so good. And this is a paraphrase of Psalm 130. Very close paraphrase of Psalm 130. So I also want to read you Psalm 130 so you can hear how similar it is. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plenteous redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So it's hmm. it's yeah. a very close paraphrase. It's it just, is it's beautiful. Both of them are beautiful. Although, no offense to Luther, I think David wins this contest a little <laughs> every, bit. Every time, actually. Every every oh, time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, don't you don't go no sinners with David mm. in the yeah. poetry yeah. slam. He tried his best. <laughs> Gold star, no, but it is. It's gorgeous, oh, and, and mean, keeping close to the text, I think, really makes the hymn richer. Yep. So Luther wrote this in 1523 when he was revising the Latin Mass so that people could sing the Mass in their own language, which was kind of a, a big thing for Luther to be doing. He wanted the Psalms to be written in these paraphrases so that people could sing them. And he even wrote to other poets and theologians like George Spallatin asking them to turn Psalms into hymns. And Luther does have a lot of other Psalm paraphrases. A Mighty Fortress is a paraphrase of Psalm mm-hmm. 47, right? 46. 46. It's close. So it was a very common thing at this time to be paraphrasing psalms into hymns for people to be able to sing them. Mm -hmm. This hymn is uh, really important to Luther and to our hymnological history. It became one of Luther's favorite hymns because it just like lays out for you this hope we have in Christ. And it wonderfully divides law and gospel as we like to do as Lutherans. And it explains justification by grace. It shows humanity's sorrow and it's sung in times of mourning. And it's one of Luther's catechetical hymns. I love that word, catechetical, Mm. to to reinforce, sorry, I'm a big nerd, to reinforce confession and absolution theology in our small catechism so that we have Luther catechetical hymns for each of the six chief parts, which I think it's a super cool thing. So this hymn was actually sung at the funeral of Frederick the Wise in the castle church at Wittenberg on May 9th, 1525, and during Luther's funeral mass in 1546. Fun fact, in every Luther Luther movie, Frederick the Wise is my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the coolest part about this hymn, I think this is really cool, and we've talked about this before. It's one of the eight original Lutheran Ooh. hymnal hymns mm. during the Reformation, the Eitlich Christlich Lieder or the Achtliederbuch in 1524. 
So that is the first Lutheran hymnal with eight hymns. This is one of them. Luther rewrote it to make the original four stanza hymn into five stanzas that we have today. And that's the version that was picked up by Johann Walter for his choir hymnal in 1524. And that's the one that spread to a whole bunch of other hymn collections. I happen to love the tune of this one. Luther composed it. Luther has a lot of more complex tunes in our hymnal. It's Phrygian mode, which I am not qualified to tell you what that actually means. I'm sure your cantor can, church musician can tell you what that means if you go and ask them. I'm not smart enough of a musician, but that is what makes it sound darker. It is not minor. It is Phrygian mode. This was a, a something that made these hymns really stand out for people at that time. It's not supposed to be like super sad. What I really specifically love about this tune, though, is that when you sing about singing from the depths of woe, the tune actually descends and then comes back up. So it, it, there's some text painting going on there, too. I think. It's yeah, cool. it's beautiful, but it's still hard and dark and perfect. Perfect for Ash Wednesday. It's perfect. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so even if you don't sing it, you can just pull him all up and read it. Yeah, so, I see different things in the hymn when I read it versus yes. when I sing it, because when yeah. I sing it, all I hear is Phrygian. Yeah, <laughs> true. Mm. But yeah. when I read it, oh, yeah, there's, there's, mm -hmm. you know, Psalm 130. Whoa. And it's beautiful. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you read hymns like poetry, stuff stands out differently because you'll read through punctuation in a way mm -hmm. that you don't when you sing it. Yeah. So it it's definitely a different experience. Lord to you, I make confession, LSB 608. I very much also love this hymn. It only got 23 votes in the poll. I'm a little sad about that. <laughs> it's a very explicit confession of sin and singing to God the promises he has given to us in Christ. This is a really beautiful prayer to sing as you're preparing for communion. Also public domain, so you can go read it yourself, except I will read you stanza four because I love stanza four. Lord, on you I cast my burden, sink it in the deepest sea. Let me know your gracious pardon, cleanse me from iniquity. Let your spirit leave me never, make me only yours forever. And I oh, love that stanza. That's nice. It's wonderful. Because Micah 7.19 says he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. I love that imagery mm. so much. It's so powerful. Also, like it relates to baptism when we drown our old Adam. And there's just so many theological connections. It's fantastic. And I'm yelling. I'm sorry. This hymn was written by... <laughs> that energy. Yes. You got the energy. It's this nice. hymn was written by Johann Frank, who lived 1618 to 1677. He wrote probably my favorite hymn, Jesus Priceless Treasure, and another of my top favorite hymns, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness. So he's got a lot of hymns on my favorite hymn list. And of course, this hymn was translated by none other than Catherine Winkworth. Mm. We have yeah. talked about Frank before as one of the powerhouse hymn writers in the 17th century. And he's a contemporary of Johann Kruger and Paul Gerhardt. So he's one of that group of guys that was just like cranking out amazing hymnody. He is also in the Post-Enlightenment Communion Hymns podcast, if you want to hear more about him. I will tell you a snippet, though. He was a lawyer, a poet, a devout Christian. He had a deep personal faith and personal piety. And his hymns, they're not really like the straight objective hymns of a lot of German hymn writers, but these hymns show this personal connection to Christ in his word and sacrament specifically. This hymn first appeared in 1648 in a hymnal compiled by Johann Kruger. Catherine Winkworth's English translation gave us the title and first line that we have now, but the original first line is Herr, ich habe misgehandelt. 
or literally, Lord, I have misbehaved, which is this childlike <laughs> acknowledgement. <laughs> yes. It's yes. this childlike acknowledgement, though, of like bringing our sins to God and, and uh, having repentant hearts before him. So I kind of like that. I have misbehaved. I messed up big time. Mm. Yes. Well, I wonder if I, I mean, this this was not a very popular one, but I can't remember ever having sung it. I'm sure I have to have at one point in my life. Yeah. But I think it is simply lack of exposure. But now you highlighting those gorgeous lyrics makes me want to go back and look it up. I think because so often we only use these hymns like once a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not used Mm -hmm. that often. That it's easy to think, oh, I don't like that one because I don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. We love our familiarity. Yeah, exactly. You need experience with it to let it love. This one's also probably on the top of the list for the read this before you go to communion ones. Mm-hmm. It's it's short and it's just wonderful. Jesus sinners death receive LSB 609. It's this another is the one. distant second that I know I, I've sung this one a ton in my childhood. Probably I think this was one of, I don't know if it was Lent or communion or something, but we sang this a lot. This one had about 177 votes, well-loved confession, but also probably for communion and Lent. It's seven stanzas, which might be why some people just don't really sing it that often. But the text is... (laughs) We are that predictable. How many stanzas does it have? (laughs) Nope. Can't do it. It's a tried and true formula passed down from the generation. But listen to this stanza. Oh, how blessed it is to know. We're a scarlet, my transgression. It shall be as white as snow by thy blood and bitter passion. For these words I now believe, Jesus sinners doth receive. It's Mm. so good. So Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good. My personal favorite is verse seven. Dying still to him, I cleave. Yes. That's just very powerful. It's so good. Makes my fingers hurt. And a much better rhyme than the ones from I Lay My Sins on Jesus. Correct. Mm. Yep. (laughs) Jesus and diseases. (laughs) Again, this one's public domain, so feel free to go read the text. It's very good. It clearly states what we believe about justification, repentance, forgiveness, and our life in Christ kind of gives me the chills when I read it. And this one's really good for good reason. Erdmann Neumeister, who lived 1671 to 1756, wrote this hymn. He also wrote LSB 587, I Know My Faith is Founded. I love that one. And also LSB 594, God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It. So, yes, he writes some great hymns. I love that one. That's like everyone's favorite baptism hymn now. And I just put this together like two days ago that Because I was like, I've seen this name before. Why do I know this hymn writer name? That's why. (laughs) Erdmann Neumeister frequently ended his sermons with a hymn that he wrote to go along with the lectionary for the day, which means he wrote a bazillion hymns. This hymn, Jesus nimmt die Sünder an, fell on his sermon in 1718 on Luke 15, 1 to 10 for the third Sunday after Trinity. So this is the parable of the lost sheep, which you can hear throughout the whole hymn when you read the text. It makes sense. This hymn was published in 1718 in his collection of original hymns titled Evangelischer Nachlung. A new edition was published in 1726. The original hymn had eight stanzas. We only have seven as the original fourth stanza was left out because the text was a little too close to Arminian altar calls. Mm. So that one got Not like, Armenian. Armenian. No, Armenian. Armenian. Arminian. Armin. Yes. As in decision theology people, not the people yes, living north of Turkey in the Caucasus. Correct. Correct. Yes. Correct. <laughs> 
So I do want to tell you a little bit about Erdmann Neumeister. He did not live during the Thirty Years' War, which is a very popular time for him mm. writers to live. Yes. He was born on May 12, 1671 in Oiterreich, Germany. His parents were a schoolmaster and an organist. He earned a Master's of Theology in 1695 from the University of Leipzig. And he was a lecturer there for two years he married Johanna Elizabeth Meister in 1698. And then from 1697 to 1715, he was a preacher in a variety of different places. He met composer Georg Philipp Telemann along the way. And then in 1715, he became pastor of St. James Church and Court Preacher in Hamburg, which is where he served until he died in 1756. So he was there for a long time, hmm. like what, 41 years? Wow. If I do my math right? Neumeister was a really prolific writer. He wrote 722 original church hymns. Wow. That is a lot. <laughs> and his own explanation of Luther's small catechism, which was published in 1753. He wrote a ton of stuff. Some of his texts were put to music by Telemann, and some were used by J.S. Bach. They were lived at the same time. He was mm -hmm. published in a lot of hymnals at the time. Maybe most importantly, he was a really outspoken opponent of pietism in the church, especially by pointing someone's personal faith, not to themselves, but to the word of God and consolation of Christ, which might be why God's entirely gladly say it is so good. His opposition to pietism was so well known and a bit dramatic that in 1736, an anonymous play happened in Leipzig that was brutal to pietistic teaching. <laughs> and the angry pietists thought Neumeister had written it. He yeah. hadn't, but they thought he did. So they actually smashed the windows of his house in Hamburg. I don't That's know. not a very good pietistic thing to do. It's not very cash money of you. No, Being a bad really pietists if you're smashing windows there, friends. No, not good. They were very, they were very angry. 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 He had not written that play, though, so he, he didn't go that passive-aggressive on them. Funny enough, some Orthodox Lutherans didn't like him because he allowed operatic styles of music in the church. They thought that wasn't appropriate, <gasps> oh, no. which is a very interesting thing because he was very Good influential voice. in the cantata becoming part of the worship service, <gasps> which is why he wrote several cantata texts for J.S. Bach. Are cantatas so, not operatic? They they are well, a little bit. It you depends. Got some soaring arias in there. If you ask my husband, I'm not sure what he would tell you. <laughs> but what I'm going to tell you is it's <laughs> it's definitely more operatic style than hymnody, or oh, than you probably okay. would have found in church music at the mm -hmm. time. I am not the expert on this, mm -hmm. however. Okay. But like, yeah, like Rachel said, an aria is far more operatic than there are soloists okay. in cantatas. Yes. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of times, the cantata would like take the place of the sermon, which some people probably thought was really wild. Mm. But it was like the straight text from the Bible. That would not stand today. Yeah. Okay. Some drama about that. But I think it's really cool that he would write the texts for J.S. Bach. So we probably mm. have sung like cantata texts that he wrote also. Mm. Really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Cantata could when history all comes together like this. Future <gasps> hymn nerd yeah. episode would be that's right. true. the cantata. You're right. Write it down. I should do that. That would be fun. Okay. All I right. just wrote it down in this hymnal, which is not mine. <laughs> <laughs> you can write it in this one. This one is mine. Here, write it down in my hymnal. Episode idea. Yes. <laughs> can I use a pen? Yes. <laughs> Lord Jesus, think on me, LSB 610, a very distant third with 79 Please. votes in the poll. 
I feel like this one is from my childhood, maybe from Good Friday service or somewhere squarely in the middle of Lent midweek services. It's a beautiful prayer. Just the first stanza, Lord Jesus, think on me and purge away my sin from worldly passions, set me free and make me pure within. Mm. It just keeps going like that. So this hymn is very familiar to at least some of us, maybe not a ton of us. <laughs> but did you know, this hymn is really old. I did not know that. did not. I, hmm. Right. This, this was oh, written by right. Synesius of Cyrene sometime in the early 5th yeah. century. I didn't oh, know that. Synesius. How's he doing? Uh, dead. <laughs> <sighs> Alive forevermore. Thank you for asking. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's with the Lord. Originally... This was Remember, O Christ, which was an Hmm. epilogue to a collection of 10 hymns. Synesius lived, hopefully I'm saying his name right, from about 365 to about 418 AD. He was the bishop of Ptolemaeus, 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 which was a major Christian center just to the west of Cyrene in North Africa, which is modern day Libya, right on the Mediterranean Mm. Sea right there. So he served as a regional deputy in the court of Emperor Arcadius, who reigned 378 to 308, sorry, 378 to 408, I'm going to go backwards in time, in Constantinople. And he was regarded as this great statesman and orator and philosopher. And he had noble family blood as a supposed descendant of the royal house of Sparta. But he was this really humble man when he became a Christian. And they made him bishop, even though he really didn't want to be bishop, which seems like a common thing for bishops back then. There are a lot of them who were like, I don't Mm. really want to do this, but the people made him bishop anyway. Mm. And once he was made bishop, he refused to give up his wife who he believed he had married before God. He was like, God gave me this wife and I'm not giving her up. I appreciate that. Yeah. Some people argue over how strong his Christian faith really was and whether or not he actually believed in the resurrection. There's some debate about this. It's probably pretty clear in this hymn that he did believe in the resurrection. So if you read through the text for this one, it talks about resurrection. (laughs) Alan William Chatfield, who lived 1808 to 1896, he was the translator for this hymn. He was actually kind of a heavily paraphraser of this hymn. Uh, He paraphrased the 20-line Greek poem into nine stanzas, which is not 20 lines. And a lot of the ideas in our English hymn are actually more Chatfield than Synesius. So Mm. he's listed as translator in LSB. In other places, he's very frequently listed as the author rather than the translator with reference to Synesius as the inspiration of the hymn. So Mm. there's that. We have stanzas two through five and seven of Chatfield's original nine stanza hymn as our four stanza hymn in LSB. Five. Five. Five stanza hymn. Sorry. Numbers. (laughs) Chief of Sinners Though I Be, LSB 611. This was the clear favorite winner. With 238 votes, for good reason. It is a fantastic hymn. I also think it plays very well into our Lutheran sense of being poor, miserable sinners. And we need to all say that we're the chief of sinners, which is probably not a bad thing. But I think this resonates very well with our Lutheran identity that we deserve nothing. And yet Christ gives us life and salvation. You can go read it on hymnary.org. It's super good. It helps that it's also, like it has a beautiful melody. It does. And an arrangement for singing and harmony. Yes. It's just, it's got it all. It it's is. the whole package. It's the whole package. Yes. This one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I will I will read you the last stanza. <laughs> oh, my Savior, help afford by your spirit and your word. When my wayward heart would stray, keep me in the narrow way. Grace in time of need supply while I live and when I die. Mm. I'm not sure I ever sing that hymn with a dry eye, actually, by the end mm. of it. 
There is a little bit of controversy over where this hymn first appeared. Oh, come on. <laughs> so some people identify William Combe. It's M apostrophe C-O-M-B. I don't know how to say that. If it's Macomb, oh, probably. It's, it's spelled Macomb in the mm, speech. Oh, yeah. Interesting, because yeah. in the hymnal companion, it's M apostrophe C O M B. So maybe it got like anglicized to Macomb. Macomb. Huh. Some identify it in his poetical works from 1864 as the source, but it doesn't actually exist in that book. <laughs> it's in the original Secession magazine in 1856. And Charles Rogers' Lyra Britannica in 1867 under William McComb's name. And Lyra Britannica is a collection of hymns from other sources. So he probably published it somewhere else. And then it got placed in this book. And then other people just referenced it back to his original poetical works. But it doesn't actually exist there. Regardless, it's a beautiful hymn. We all love it. The TLH text is exactly the same as it was written in Lyra Britannica. But it was modified slightly in LW and LBW to make the doctrine a little bit more clear. So in stanza one, Jesus now lives instead of lived Mm. that I might Mm -hmm. never die because he does. Good change. Yes. That's a good change. And in stanza three, Jesus only can impart is now only Jesus can impart. So we're not, you know, limiting the power of Jesus accidentally. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fair changes. Very fittingly, this hymn. Yes. This is the hymn of the day for the conversion of St. Paul. That makes total sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that what he calls himself in the Bible? Yeah. 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 sinners. There it is. Perfect. I love this hymn, but I have to fight every time I sing it because somebody ruined it for me once. (gasps) No. And I'm debating whether to tell you how. Oh, no. Will it? Could it ruin it for us? If you tell I, us. I hope not. <laughs> I'm down. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, this is just one of those old Lutheran jokes that I heard from yeah. an old Lutheran. No. Yeah. Give it you up. just sing the song. The first two lines of the song, you can actually rework that second line. So let's say, we'll just say Sarah Gulseth. Chief of sinners, though I be, Sarah Gulseth's worse than me. I think I've heard that. Robin laid an egg. <gasps> That's terrible. That's all I know. I've heard that, I've heard that? that saying before, but God I God made rivers, I never, God made lakes. Never <laughs> latched on to it in the Yeah, same. no, someone someone said it once in a hymn planning meeting or uh-huh. something. And uh-huh. I just like I can still remember the name that got slotted into that lot. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, and rude. Uh-huh. It's just but gross. But that is I need to fight this <laughs> because it is such a gorgeous hymn, mm-hmm. and I do love it very much. Because the the whole point of the hymn is that I'm the one who needs Jesus' love. Yeah. True. Of course, you need it too. You can put my name in there. In so con- you're not wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong. But that's not the point. The point is Correct. not what you need. It's that I need to make confession. I need to receive absolution. I'm yep. the one here yes. so yes i suppose that that is a reminder to me to not do that because the tendency is always to do that like yeah i'm a sinner but i'm not as bad as so and so yeah yeah ew but these Thanks hymns sort guys. of turn us uh-huh. outward yeah. from that or inward actually turn us inward turn us look inward. at your own sins before you yeah. think about anybody else's correct spot on <sighs> next one 
As Rebels Lord who foolishly have wandered LSB 612, this is the one that got zero votes. Mm. This is not public domain, so you can't go look it up online. You can go look it up in a hymnal on Sunday, though. It is by far one of my favorite hymn writers, though. This is by Stephen Starkey. He wrote it in 1992 based on the parable of the prodigal son, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, even the title, as rebels, Lord, who foolishly have wandered. So if you read the text, it makes a lot of sense all about the parable of the prodigal son or the faithful father, depending on who you talk to about that parable. And it's a beautiful exposition of confession and absolution. Mm. That's all I have to say about that one. I will just say, like having quickly read it, it is it's lovely ones. And I feel like this would also be a great one. It's shorter than the it other is. one you were commenting on three for stanzas. preparing for going up to communion. Yeah. And it, it explicitly calls out communion come eat, come in, the, yeah. in the third verse. Yes, it does. Uh, so it's another awesome. one that would be a especially good one for preparation. I'm yeah. Doing it. Agreed. Next one to the omniscient Lord of all. LSB 613, also not super well known, only got about six votes in the poll. So people don't really know this one. What I find most interesting about it, oh, this is public domain. You can go read it. It's only three stanzas. It's a good text. Maybe not my favorite text, but that doesn't make it any worse. I just don't like it as much as the other ones that are like really good. That's okay. (laughs) This is progress. (laughs) So this one, this is by a Norwegian hymn writer. And we don't run across Norwegian hymn writers all that often in our hymnal. They do exist, but the Germans and British far outweigh (laughs) the ones from other countries. So this hymn was written by Magnus Brostrup Landstad who lived 1802 to 1880, and he has been called a Botens Salmendichter, or Penitential Hymn Poet, which is a very interesting title to give somebody. <laughs> this hymn is based on three stories of repentance in the Bible. So stanza one is a story in Ezra 9, where the priest Ezra implores God's mercy on the people of Israel because of their constant sinning and failure to separate themselves from the unbelievers in the lands. And this promise, of course, was eventually fulfilled because God God did bring the remnant of his people back to the land he had promised to Abraham and his descendants. Stanza two is King David's story of repentance in Psalm 51 when he's confronted with Nathan about his sins and David is confident that God does not remove his spirit from the repentant, but restores them in joy. And then stanza three is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and the repentant man goes home justified because of the mercy of God. I think that's kind of cool. It's like a mm-hmm. a little what vignettes, a hymn of vignettes or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Magnus Brostrup Landstad is Norwegian. My husband's Norwegian, so I'm mm-hmm. you know, it's cool. He was <laughs> not my husband. Magnus was a priest in the Church of Norway and also a poet and scholar of Norwegian folk music. I think that's really cool. He was born on October 7th, 1802 in I did not look up how, I don't know how to speak Norwegian. In Finnmark, Norway, I don't know, Masoy, Masoy, something like that. M-A-S-O-Y, but it's got the Norwegian characters that have different pronunciation. And his dad was also a priest in the Church of Norway, serving in its northernmost parish in the world. So he was way far up there. Mm. And that means that he grew up knowing really (laughs) very well what it means to live in solitude and darkness and Mm. the storm and famine and things, all those things that come along with living in a very remote and dark region. Sounds like the perfect childhood for a professional penitential hymn poet. (laughs) 
Also, the cla- his classmates probably made fun of him and called him bra strap on the <laughs> playground. <laughs> oh, Magnus. Magnus. Magnus bra strap. Son of Magnus. Magnus. Kids are ruthless. Name. They don't care about They didn't that. speak English yeah. in Norway in 18. 18- Hmm. Maybe they did. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> he went to the University of Christiania, which is now Oslo, in 1822 and began his theological studies in 1823. And he discovered him writing through Philip Nikolai's beautiful hymns, oh, The King no and Queen of Chorale. You had Yay. to tell this part of the yes. story. Yes. So. Not surprising when you run across Philip Nikolai that you would be inspired to write your own hymns because they are really, really Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. He graduated in 1827 and started his vocation as a priest. He was in several locations throughout his life. In 1852, he accepted the Ministry of Ecclesiastical Affairs. They asked him to create a new hymnal for the Church of Norway. And he had originally declined, but he finally gave in. He had become fascinated with Norwegian folk songs during this time also, and he published a collection of them in 1853. So this hymnal had, it was a long time coming. In 1861, he presented Kirkas Salmabok at Udkast, which is church hymn book, a draft. And people loved it, except that it used Norwegian language instead of Danish which I was, I read that and went, huh? (laughs) But the Norwegian church had been under Danish influence since the time of the Reformation. Mm. I did not know that. Mm. That makes sense. Lanstad continued to edit this book until 1869 when it was finally published for use in the Church of Norway. So that took, what, eight years for it to finally come about? He retired in Christiania in 1877 and died there October 8th, 1880. So Mm. that's his story. As surely as I live, God said, Lutheran Service Book 614. Another one people didn't really know, five votes. This hymn was written by Nicholas Herman, who lived 1500 to 1561. So he was a Reformation guy. He was a huge supporter of Luther's Reformation teachings in Bohemia. He was in Bohemia Joachimstal, which is just over the border from Saxony. So Herman was a cantor there. And he was in charge of the music at the church and the school. And he was very sure to make sure that it lined up with Reformation teachings. So this is the hymn that is specifically for confession and absolution. In 1540, the church in I don't actually know how to say that, reinstated private confession and absolution. And the members there who wanted to receive the Lord's Supper had to confess their sins privately and receive absolution. I feel like this was a practice for a very long time in the Lutheran church. Like our Mm -hmm. grandparents may have done it, maybe Mm -hmm. parents in some places. There may be some churches that still do it too. So Cantor Nicholas Herman wrote this hymn, So far ich leb sprich Gott der Herr, as a complete exposition of private confession. It was included in Herman's hymnal published in 1560. This title is so long, I will not read it to you, but it's like a line and a half in my notes. It is ridiculous. Typical. translates to the Sunday gospels throughout the entire year composed as hymns for children and Christian fathers. That's the title. Typical. It's very long. (laughs) This hymn was very popular and meant for use in Christian families. That's what he wrote it for. By 1584, it was also included in hymnals for public worship. The original hymn had 11 stanzas with a doxological stanza added sometime before 1660. In our Lutheran service book, we have eight stanzas. I think it also includes the doxological one at the end. Yes, it does. 
following the pattern of our previous LCMS hymnals. So this hymn has confession, absolution, repentance, office of the keys, very explicit office of the mm-hmm. keys, which I don't know if you it get seems that. catechetical. It does seem catechetical. <laughs> Perfect for children and Christian fathers. It has everything relating to anything tangentially related to confession and absolution. And Office of the Keys. Very cool. Also a public domain hymn. You can read it and pick out where it literally says, To my dear church, the keys are given to open, close the gates of heaven. Mm. So there you go. Office of the Keys. Mm -hmm. When in the hour of deepest need, LSB 615. I love this hymn. Only 23 votes which is kind of sad, but y'all go learn this hymn. I'm going to read this one, guys. It's so good. We've also talked about this before, and maybe you'll remember where when I'm reading it. This text is amazing. When in the hour of deepest need, we know not where to look for aid. When days and nights of anxious thought, no help or counsel yet have brought. Then is our comfort this alone that we may meet before your throne. To you, O faithful God, we cry for rescue from our misery. For you have promised, Lord, to heed your children's cries in time of need. Through him whose name alone is great, our Savior and our Advocate. And so we come, O God, today and all our woes before you lay. For sorely tired, cast down we stand, perplexed by fears on every hand. O from our sins, Lord, turn your face, absolve us through your boundless grace. Be with us in our anguish still, free us at last from every ill. So we with all our hearts each day to you our glad thanksgiving pay. Then walk obedient to your word and now and ever praise you, Lord. So good. This hymn was written by Paul Erber, who lived 1511 to 1569, another Reformation guy. And like a lot of the other hymn writers we've talked about in general, he wrote this under really tragic circumstances. So he was going home from school at Ansbach in 1524 because he got seriously ill. And then he was thrown from his horse and dragged for more than a mile, which sounds horrible. And that left him permanently disabled. So like, that's terrible. It is awful. Yes. Mm. So you guys, I would love to be a really good hymn writer someday, but I don't want to live through all this stuff that the really good hymn writers live through that gets them ready to write the really good hymns. Yeah. Can I just skip that part? Yeah. A lot of really good hymn writers have had something or a lot of things just like horribly tragic. Bodily trauma, getting drugged by horses. Yeah. Yeah. It's really terrible stuff. So like when you read this hymn and you know what this guy was going through, it's like, oh, yeah. This is this is real and true and what we believe. The hour of deepest need, like that whole mm. time I was getting dragged behind the horse. Right. Yeah. Yep. I need yes. this horse to stop dragging me. Yes. So many years later, probably 1556, uh, and this was when the wars with the Turks were raging mm. and the plague was everywhere. Both, of course it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wrote this hymn that talks about this great sorrow and anxious thoughts. And yet we also, did you notice the last stanza? We're praising and thanking God. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> now and ever, in mm-hmm. fact. Yeah, like stuff is terrible, but God's got it. Like, yep. okay, all right. That. There's that twist at the end, which is kind of awesome. And some people say he was second only to Luther among the great hymn writers from Wittenberg. Hmm, I don't doubt it. Some people say. Some people say. This hymn has shown up before. Do you remember where? Quiz time. Was it the, well, I see that the tune is by Louis Bourgeois. (gasps) It's Louis Louis Bourgeois. That isn't why, but yes, I love Louis Bourgeois. That's part of the reason I love this hymn, actually. (laughs) Any hymn that has a Louis Bourgeois mm. tune is just going to end up in my mm. favorites. French man. Because. 
I had a whole ham podcast on him. Yep. Okay, so when we talked about Martin Rinkert in the Thanksgiving hymn podcast. Okay, yeah, that name, name is so familiar. Rinkert was defending his town against the Swedish invaders who were extorting them, and he led the townspeople in singing this hymn, and the Swedish forces were so impressed that they reduced the rate they were demanding to keep the town safe. Yes. Oh. That story. That's the one. So it turns out that isn't the only time that people use this hymn in that manner, which is kind of wild. Huh. There are other incidents like this. So this is a hymn for warding off grafters and extortionists? Apparently. All right. Filed that away for a rainy day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Civil unrest, LSB 615. There you go. Yeah. In 1644 in Pegau near Leipzig, again, Swedish forces were threatening the city. and the Swedes. I know. And they refused to surrender. So the Swedish general ordered grenades to be thrown into the city. Oh, my goodness. So the city was set on fire and there was also a hailstorm happening. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so they couldn't put the fire out. And so the women and children all fled into the field in December and slept in this field completely unprotected <sighs> during the winter in Leipzig. Horrible. Negotiation, like they were past negotiations. And so the head pastor made this last ditch effort by taking 12 boys behind him to the Swedish general's tent and they kneeled there at the tent and sang this hymn. And when, oh, I'm getting chills just It's reading. like Gunter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. And so when they were done singing, the general came out and hugged the pastor because they were schoolmates. Like what? What? The, the, yeah. So the Swedes are they're harsh, but they are moved by music. They yes. Are. At least in these stories, yeah. The general the 1600s. ordered food and water into the city and treated them well. So mm. the people keep singing this hymn every huh. Sunday. I don't know if they do it now, but they did for a long time after that huh. happened. It's just wild stuff. Yeah. I love it. I love this. This is also wow. one to keep in your back pocket in case the Swedes flex their military might in the near <laughs> future. Aren't they yes. neutral now? I think so. That was the joke. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so tired. <laughs> That's a good joke. Sorry. I was just like, wait, wait what? what? I mean, maybe a Swedish military. Have a military Swedes. <laughs> um, you know, maybe it maybe. hasn't been tried on, on others. It's Probably a good one for any yeah any time of if great you've duress. tried if you've tried singing this hymn to get out of a situation that you didn't want to be in, let us know in the comments. <laughs> mm. Can add some more stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was also translated by Catherine Winkworth, of course, yes. for English hymnals, starting with Lyrica Germanica, second series on the Christian life in 1858. So she shows up a couple of times. Baptismal Waters Cover Me, which is the last one in the section on mm -hmm. confession and absolution, LSB 616. This is not a public domain hymn, which makes me a little sad because it's super good. But like, mm -hmm. go read it in your hymnal because it's baptism and confession and absolution, like worlds colliding in Lutheran doctrine. It's you have great. a hymnal, right? Yeah. I wasn't asking Sarah. I was asking <laughs> you all out there in radio land. Yes. This is the only other modern hymn in this section, which is why it's not public domain. Only 20 votes. People don't really know it. It is newer, though. This hymn was written by Canadian Lutheran pastor Kurt Reinhardt, mm. who is still alive, mm. writing many, many, many hymns. He's the pastor of Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kurtzville, Ontario. He has books of hymns you can buy from Lutheran Church Canada. So if you like having Fine. books of hymnody, you can go to LCC's website and you can find books of hymns. And they also like post some. He's still writing original hymns for stuff. So he wrote this one because uh, like out of Thanksgiving for the blessing of private confession and absolution and the relief and comfort we have in our state of being baptized. 
And it like directly, the text, you can almost pull it directly out of our small catechism. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. That's essentially what he wrote into a hymn Mm. form. It's very personal. There's a lot of like I and me text in there that kind of sometimes makes us uncomfortable, but it's all pointing directly to Christ and the mercy and grace that we have in him and that we should daily remember our baptisms. It's really good. So that's all of the confession and absolution hymns. I did promise one bonus because it is suggested by the agenda of the Lutheran service book as the hymn when we do imposition of ashes for Ash Wednesday. So that is Lutheran service book 419. It is wonderfully somber. Like it really puts you in the mood to get told from dust you are and to dust you shall return. Mm. Like this is a good one for that. And I am going to read it. It's four stanzas. Savior, when in dust to thee, low we bow the adoring knee. When repentant to the skies, scarce we lift our weeping eyes. O oh, by all thy pains and woe, suffered once for us below. Bending from thy throne on our high, hear our penitential cry. By thy helpless infant years, by thy life of want and tears, by thy days of deep distress in the savage wilderness, by the dread mysterious hour of the insulting tempter's power, turn, O oh, turn a favoring eye, hear our penitential cry. By thine hour of dire despair, by thy agony of prayer, by the cross, the nail, the thorn, piercing spear and torturing scorn, by the gloom that veiled the skies or the dreadful sacrifice, listen to our humble sigh, hear our penitential cry. By thy deep expiring groan, by the sad sepulchral stone, by the vault whose dark abode held in vain the rising God. O from earth to heaven restored, mighty reascended Lord, bending from thy throne on high, Hear our penitential cry. It is dark, but also a prayer. So did you notice that this hymn is kind of written as a litany because you've got all of the petitions, like the pastor reads the petition and then you have this this repeating Mm, refrain that Mm -hmm. you say back. I had not noticed that Mm -hmm. until I was writing it down here. That this is actually written as a litany. Very interesting. Part of the beauty of this also is that this hymn was written in English. A lot of these weren't written in English, and we've talked about that before, how you kind of lose the thing Mm -hmm. in the original poetry because you have to keep the original writer's ideas while Mm -hmm. finding English words. But this one was originally written in English. And that that stanza with the the cross, the nail, the thorn, the piercing spear, the torturing scorn, like it's almost like the pounding of the nails while you're Mm -hmm. singing. I don't know. It's the poetry on this is is very, very good. And it just like cuts right to your heart. Mm. This hymn was written by Robert Grant, who lived 1780 to 1838. And it was first published anonymously in the November 1815 issue of the Anglican periodical, The Christian Observer. And this is all just these petitions of Christ's life and suffering. And finally, our exalted Christ. And then the repeated, hear our penitential cry, which was originally, hear our solemn litany. So it was originally Mm. written in this litany form. There is one more stanza. We don't sing it. It's about the grief of about the death of Lazarus and also Judas's betrayal of Jesus. But mm-hmm. interesting. it's an interesting addition to the hymn that yeah. we don't sing. So that's all I have for you guys. Do you guys have a favorite? Chief of Sinners. All right. That's, that's just the one. <laughs> it's the one. I'm going to say something really weird and different for me. I don't have a favorite. What? No, I mean... Okay. It's hard to have a favorite in this section. Yeah, but here's the thing. I appreciate these hymns. 
Mm. Mm. I value them. I am glad we have them. I'm glad to sing them. Enjoy them is a weird word because if you sing them the way they're meant to be sung, they're not always very fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't love them the way I do a lot of other hymns in the hymnal. And I think the reason is because I'm human and I don't like to be drugged down into Mm. the, sorry, I don't like to be dragged down into the darkness of my own heart and have to confront what's there. And so many of these songs, the poetry and the tunes both are meant to do just that, the very needful work of making Mm -hmm. you confront, you know, your own need for a savior. And that's never fun. It's needful, but it's not fun. So I'm going to just abstain from the, okay. your question. I don't have a favorite. I don't love these hymns, and that's my fault. Your yeah. own most grievous fault, even. Yeah. My own most grievous fault, thumping my chest. Yes. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a new, I do love the Chief of Sinners. It's so Absolutely. Good. It's so good. But the new one that I haven't, I haven't ever paid any attention to is the Avis Rebels Lord Ooh. Who Foolishly Have Wandered. It's a good one. Yeah. Like Starkey's a magnificent writer yeah he is mm. yep. true that yep well ladies we went through a lot today uh-huh. good stuff though I encourage you to find these hymns in your hymnal or on hymnary.org and read through them through the season of Lent they're very good to kind of like focus focus our season of repentance as we go through the 40 days of Lent really really great hymns the poll is still up in the Facebook group if you want to go there and add some more votes to the ones that you really like or not or just see what other people that people comment and some stuff too you can join us in our Facebook group there Lutheran Ladies Lounge you can also find us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge if you want to snap some photos of your favorite hymns and tag us we'll share those into our story as well you can sign up for our e-newsletter in the show notes for this episode, or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org, and we'll get you signed up for that e-newsletter. Find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash lutheranladieslounge, or on your favorite podcasting app, or on the KFUO radio app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm chief of sinners. <laughs> no, I am. But also me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> me three. Hmm. <laughs> I don't like to admit it. Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll sign on to that one too. Okay, cool. Cool. I mean, not cool, but also. Chief of Sinners time four. Yeah. There we go. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give. Do not air number 58. Spicier than expected. Didn't we think him saying episodes are supposed to be gentle oh, and informative? <laughs> you are not the model of restraint right now. <laughs> nope. So take it from me as the model of restraint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when did Brie become the model of restraint? I know, I know. I know right? This has been a week of strange times. It's been a week, yes. <laughs>
Very strange times. Indeed. 